you are listening once again. Thanks for tuning in to Non-Religious Christian News. Boy, today's show, we had a paradigm-shifting show last time. But Pastor Ron, we're going to do it again. And just as a quick review, uh, we talked about the name of Yeshua. And, and Pastor Ron, do you, re- you said you spoke to some people about that topic uh, this week, and it was met with, did you say resistance? Is that the key operative word here? Yes, almost anger. Uh, they did not want to talk about the issue at all, even in a non-combative kind of, isn't this kind of an interesting idea way. Um, didn't want to talk about it. Now, what do you think that's attributed to? I don't know. I think uh, people don't like to change, especially when it comes to theological things. We get a certain worldview based on our theology, and uh, little changes in it seem threatening. Right. And I think, I think if we focus on Christ and see all these other things as just theological opinions and issues that they're not primary to our salvation, I don't see why they should be so terribly threatening. But people are threatened by right. these issues that should not be threatening at all. And I found I had to, well, they suggested we close the subject down before things get hot. And to me, they weren't hot at all. Right. And, and, and you know, that's, you know, we, we talked in previous shows, not on this station, and we will in the future, but uh, how easy people get offended nowadays. And, you know, it's quite the opposite of spirituality, where mm-hmm. people with spirituality can usually have some sort of uh, patience openness and love where you know people with uh, sometimes what we call religion or religious base is a shifting offense offering topic so um hopefully we have a guest calling in here real soon but in the meantime today's topic that is breaking and you're going to hear this you're going to hear this in bible studies you're going to hear this in church services you're going to hear this around it is about the church itself. The, the question I'm asking is, how can we trust letters written to a church if we don't trust the church to which the letters were written? And so, Pastor Ron, we, we've had this conversation before. Um, the, the paradigm of the church today, as it is set up, is wrong. I mean, we, we kind of focus on a pulpit, pastor, pews, and yet we see something completely different and the ecclesia of the Bible and the church of the Bible. What is your thoughts about the church today as it is structured? Well, I'm very much a part of a traditional church. I'm, I hold three or four positions within our church. I'm very much a part of it. And yet I recognize that it's not ideal. Matter of fact, most of the problems in Western Christianity, I think, are, are because of our structure. Our, tr- our structure defeats us. A lot of times people get real down on Christians. You know, they're not committed, they're not doing this, or they're not doing that, or we're not. I, I think the structure defeats a lot of well-intentioned people uh, because our, our structure just isn't working. I remember I read a book called uh, How the Irish Saved Civilization. And St. Patrick, when he went into Ireland, he lived with the people. He, he became part of their life. And then he would invite them to then join him in his faith. And eventually the Roman church came in and said, no, you're doing it all wrong. We have to build churches. We invite people to come and listen to our preaching. And then if they want to accept, then they can accept. So it's more of a uh, preaching to the audience and invite them to accept rather than going out into the world and living as they live. And the revival in Ireland died at that point. Uh, 
Patrick dressed like the native Irish, where he was told he had to dress like the Roman monks. And, uh, and we still do it the Roman way. Billy Graham Crusades, for all the good they do, are the Roman model of invite the people to church, invite them to salvation, and then if they accept, then they become part of the church. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's just not working. I don't know how to get to where we are now to the point where they were for the first few hundred years in the New Testament. You know, that's a great question. And, and I think first, I think people need to be convinced we need to go back to the old model. And, you know, first off, you know, I'm getting this uh, thing that we should give out this phone number. This is a hot topic. And I got chastised literally from some friends and probably a few enemies that we didn't give out the number last time. Well, the reason we didn't is because it was Zachariah's fault. So we'll just pass that buck right over to him. But this time, if you want to call in and participate with this conversation, toll free 888-429-5471. I repeat, 888-429-5471. Or you can call direct if you're in the U.S. or Canada at 323-744-4841. I repeat, 323-744-4841. Today's topic is the church and how do we get back? Um, first, you know, Pastor Ron, I think there has to be the goal has to be set. I think people are comfortable with traditional church because they feel it's about learning. The intellect has taken the seat of spirituality. And so we have turned Sunday services into Sunday school and the Sunday college. And people will come home from a service and they'll say, what did you learn? And juxtaposition that are you different? And I think when we start to really understand the goals of the new covenant, that transformation is what Elohim, our father, is calling for, and not just intellectual assent to some doctrine, then we're going to be forced to go back to the way it was. Because listening to sermons, and I'm going to make up some numbers here, we would have to listen to 14 million sermons every second for the next 4,000 years to even begin to hit the precipice of transformation. I'm throwing out these numbers randomly to let us know that we can't listen our way into transformation. There's actually a way to be transformed, and transformation was a command given to us in Romans and in 2 Corinthians, where he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we also understand this renewal is not just about learning doctrine, but about assimilating this doctrine into our lives, into our consciousness, so that we can actually become different people. We don't become different just by listening to sermons. Therefore, the whole foundation has to be restructured. Um, Pastor Ron, you said that you are also a part of, or at one point, cell groups. What was your experience there with the cell groups? Um, I don't know. It's always less than really satisfying. Uh, we were trying to do cell groups, but I don't think we had the right structure. And we've talked about that. In the New Testament, they had apostolic leadership within a city. And then they would have uh, prophetic leadership. Paul said there are first apostles, second prophets. And at Antioch, there were prophets, and there was there was a apostolic leadership, and the churches were together. They would pass around the letters, and the elders that Timothy appointed were the house church pastors. And every time I've been involved in the attempt to build house churches, it seems like authority has always been the problem. There wasn't the authority, there wasn't the apostolic authority in place. There wasn't prophetic authority in place, and, and I didn't know what to do about that. And... A lot of the home churches that I've been have seen have been people 
by people who just had a hard time with spiritual authority. Excellent point. I mean, that's I mean, that's a great point. And I found that, too, is uh, I, I'll say it kind of like this. I'm just going to put it out there. The, the house church became a place for the rejected. Right. It, it became a place for those who were either rejected out of the traditional church or, like you're saying, found a place where they might be able to stroke their own ego. I think that second one was probably what I discovered. People who really wanted to be in charge, but they couldn't in a traditional church. You know, you made a great point about learning because I can remember, and I'm not a pastor now, but when I was a pastor, I'd prepare sermons and I can remember thinking the last thing in the world these people need is another sermon. They are sermon to the gills. What they need is obedience. We all know way more than what we put into practice. And, and to go to church just to hear more information, we don't need more information. Most of us have tons of information. I, I just don't think inf- lack of information is our problem. It's, it's acting on the information that we have. So what you said about teaching is, is that's not to diminish teaching. Matter of fact, some of the home churches I've seen have failed because there wasn't biblical teaching. But Boy, you're right. Just to go to church to sit and listen to another sermon is not church. And, and not to mention, you know, the goal. And I think what really struck a chord for me, because I've been in, in the front of churches and, you know, I, would, I, I had the role of what people would call traditionally a pastor. And what struck me the most is that the lack of change when you're up front and you're the one doing the teaching and and people come to you day after day, month after month, even year after year. And they're still in the same place spiritually, even though they're maybe accelerated intellectually, but they're still asking for you to pray for the same things. They haven't really learned how to put into practice or, you know, when the goals again, you know, in Romans 8, it talks about to be transformed. There's a manifestation of the sons of Elohim on earth. And these children are not being seen today because they're only going to sit and learn as opposed to becoming transformed. Therefore, excuse me one second, therefore it is imperative that we set up a structure that would allow for this glory to come into a place to transform our hearts and souls. And I think what's, what's, what's kind of funny is that sometimes when, when pastors uh, do their best to really try and create this new concept, and I've been there, the congregation gets upset. They want to learn. And, and transforming this paradigm was one of the most frustrating exercises of futility I've ever uh, had. Pastor Ron, now, you know, we want to go to the original church. A lot of people want the original church. But one thing you nailed is, where's the apostolic authority? Because there's people today who don't even believe in apostolic authority. What happens without the apostle? Well, I, I don't think it, it can work. In the early church, there was apostolic authority in each of the cities in each of the areas. Those were the foundations that Paul talked about laying. There was prophetic authority. And there were teachers. And then there were pastors. I read somewhere that a man can pastor about 40 people at the most. So if a church is bigger than 50 or 60, the people aren't getting pastored. In other words, they're not getting shepherd. Shepherding, pastoring is a verb. It's only used one place as a noun. It's basically something people do. Well, welcome back to the non-religious Christian news. We apologize about the break. It was just a little bit of a 
technical difficulty on our part. Again, I'm going to fire uh, our technician, Zachariah. He's just, you know, he, he was fired last week. We brought him back. And he's fired again. And so we, we blame him. We passed the buck once again. But thanks for staying with us. And we're uh, awaiting a phone call right now from Hawaii uh, from from uh, Robert Fitz. And we're going to be diving into this topic of church life. And once uh, we get to talk to him, we get to really kind of lay out this paradigm. And I'm just going to say it like this, because I, I, I wouldn't be fair to me if I didn't. The church right now, as it is set up, is wrong. The tradition is wrong. It is it is not allowing for the transformation that the Bible asks. We have created a structure like college. We have created a structure where we come to learn and our addiction to the knowledge of good and evil has prevented so many from moving into life. And the new covenant is about life. It is not about learning. And now that is not to say we don't need to learn, but what it does say is we need to learn how to live a better Christian life. And this life has ever increasing glory. And therefore, when we start to move back to the structure, even though people sometimes can get convinced of this, they can read that we are not set up. One of the primary passages, Pastor Ron, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, it says that each one has been given a gift. Now, let's balance this real quick because we're also talking about apostolic authority. So we need both. So we're not talking about just the leaderless uh, running around and, and people doing just whatever they want. There is there is an authority but we're talking about an apostolic authority in juxtaposition to just pastoral authority. Do you recognize a difference there? Yeah, I haven't had too much contact with apostolic authority. I've met men that I thought had apostolic authority. Uh, they're few and far between, and they usually didn't define themselves as such. But I, I just don't think it's something that exists much within our church. I. I've responded to this, and I, I guess I want to say this. People say, well, don't let the good get in the way of the perfect. I haven't let the perfect get in the way of the good. I'm still very actively involved in a very traditional church because it's there that I have found the most godliness. I think the Holy Spirit is still there. He's still working. And so I don't want to imply that, for me, I've abandoned the traditional church. I'm waiting for something more, and I've... I've I've taken part in attempts to create something more, but in the meantime, I'm still very much a part of the traditional church. So that's kind of the way I have responded to these truths. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I don't participate in the traditional church because I don't feel like it was working. And for me, the goal was uh, to be transformed. For me, the goal was to deal with issues that people are throwing stones at. For me, it was, you know, I, wanted, I want demons cast out. I want to see darkness leaving. I want to see the light of Elohim manifesting. And when I sit in a traditional setting, it's more it was more of an exercise of boredom as opposed to transformation. And I can't just pull myself to saying, I got to get up, I got to get dressed, I have to drive here, and I have to sit here, and I have to listen here. And nothing is changing by the time I come home, except I got a little bit smarter. Um, that, was mo- that was most frustrating. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to... And it doesn't take a lot of people. And this is something that Robert Fitz would talk about in his book. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes two or three who would walk in the name of the Messiah Yeshua and who will give him the glory activity. So in, in a few minutes, we're going to dive into what does the actual church look like? So rather than just uh, condemning, so to speak, what we have modern day, what is the alternative solution? What is a problem without a solution? We also want to start to jump into the solution. 
But the solution is nothing that any man can make up. So when you read a book or if you hear a sermon or, or, or hear a radio show about the church, because everybody's using that word, what does it actually look like and how can we be a part of it? That's what we want to kind of start to dive into. But Pastor Ron, what are the roles? You know, you're, you're well, you're well, you're a theologian. Um, what are the roles that you see in the, both the modern church and the historical church? What, are, what, are, what is this hierarchy that we're looking for? Well, it's a vertical line of authority, I believe. And we in the West are not real keen on vertical lines of authority. We like democracies and uh, egalitarianism. But in the church, there was apostolic authority, there was prophetic authority, and then there was teachers. And I think those were the three offices that had the most authority. And the apostles, prophets, and teachers, as I understand it, would travel from church to church, to the house churches and to the elders that were leading them. And these house churches would submit to this authority. Uh, positions were not voted on, but they were assigned uh, by the apostles and prophets and teachers. Uh, the churches in each city was unified together. You, they weren't broken up into denominations as such. If you were a teacher, you weren't necessarily a pastor. And if you were a pastor or a shepherd, you weren't necessarily a teacher. You weren't assigned both roles. Uh, today, church leaders are assigned all the roles. And uh, it, it just doesn't work. And yet I have found pieces of things working in the traditional church to and I don't want to seem argumentative on this issue, but within the traditional church, I have seen the Holy Spirit working. I've seen him active. I've seen I've seen good things occurring. I've seen growth. So that's why, I guess, until I find something better, I will stay with the traditional church. Hopefully, I won't get in the way of something better when it comes along. Do you feel like you can start something better? I mean, you have the knowledge. You know, what would prevent you? From, from starting that? Would it be the fact that you do not feel that you are an apostle? Or would it be kind of the resistance that you've met? I mean, if, if you meet resistance at a Hebrew name, you know, would this, you know, also cause that same resistance? No, I, 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 I wouldn't need to be an apostle. I'm not an apostle. I don't believe I'm a prophet. I'm probably, I felt the Lord fill my sails with wind when I was teaching. Um, but I, I haven't yet seen the model working, I guess, if I if I could see it work. I've tried to make it work a couple times, and I think I probably did it wrong. And I've been involved in house churches that were very close to the truth, and yet they seem to be peopled by people with questionable motives. And I've just not seen it work. And that's been discouraging. Actually, to be honest with you right now, I think I probably my greatest discouragements in life have been on this issue uh, of why doesn't it work? Why why can't we make it work? This is uh, this is heartbreaking. But I wonder if it does work. I, I wonder, you know, if it works, but we're just asking the wrong people. You know, I, I, I wonder if, you know, sometimes we kind of bang our heads against the wall because we have a certain group around us and we're saying, hey, we want these people to move into this new paradigm, and they're not. And so we give up on the paradigm when maybe there are people, and we, well, I know for sure, there are people who are hungry and thirsty for reality. This reality will be found in church life. You know, one, we just need to find them, and that seemingly wouldn't be too hard to find. But do we have the uh, information and the paradigm to, if they started to come to your house, 
to actually structure a foundation of the ecclesia as it is in the Bible? Yeah, we probably do. And the fact that I'm not more immersed in it is is probably my failure. Uh, I met an ex-pastor who has uh, got a motorcycle and tattoos, and uh, he left. He was a pastor of our church for 29 years, and he left last year because he was disillusioned. And he bought a custom Harley and got himself tattooed and bought some leather vests, and he's out doing home church. And he may be doing something that uh, that none of us recognize. And, and right now, I'm going to interrupt you. We do have uh, Michael Brown on line one. So we're going to question or maybe he wants to cuss us out. Either way, uh, Mike Brown. Hello. Yes. I can barely hear you. Um, so I had a question about an apostolic authority. So sure. that's a term um, that I've, I've never read in the scriptures. And, and you know, we're, we're trying to get closer to the truth. Where, where does the... Where does the term or the concept of apostolic authority come from? Um, and I only ask this because, you know, there's probably many more listeners like me who, when they hear terms like that, they automatically throw a guard up, like, okay, oh, you, you sound like the such-and-such theologian that I've read about or such-and-such paradigm that I've heard about. What is this idea of apostolic authority, and where can we read about this in Scripture? Excellent. Pastor Ron, this is a theology question. I <laughs> defer well, first of all, apostle, prophet, pastor, they, these were gifts that were given to the church. And there's nothing in the Bible about the fact that they were to self-destruct at the death of the last apostle. Or when the canon was put together, these are gifts for the New Testament church. So the apostles, and there were a number of apostles. Timothy was an apostle. Andracus and Junicus was apostles. Um, there, there were a number of apostles listed in the Bible. Paul defined the office of apostle as a foundation builder. He said he didn't go to one area because he didn't want to build on another man's foundation. So an apostle is a foundation builder. It's not just somebody sent. Uh, I was, When I was young, I was taught that missionaries are apostles because they're sent. But that's okay. not the definition of apostle. It's, it's, a, it's a foundation builder. Uh, it's one it says in the Bible... First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And Paul was telling Timothy how to appoint pastors. Timothy was an apostle. And Paul spoke of apostolic authority a number of times. He spoke of the authority that he had as an apostle. Uh, and he congratulated the churches or chastised them for their recognizing or their lack of recognition of his apostolic authority. And there's nothing in the Bible to suggest that this was to pass away. Matter of fact, it, it seems to suggest that this is an ongoing gift. So, and I think there have been apostles throughout history. My, John Wesley probably was an apostle. He began a whole church movement. Um, Patrick, when he went into Ireland, and he, he was obviously an apostle. And then history shows us that there are men with apostolic authority, and uh, and I think it was to be the model. So I, I think the question is. Where do I find them? But how do you avoid them when you read the New Testament? I mean, how how can you argue against it? And also, uh, Michael Brown, um, you, you said you might be kind of running into resistance, kind of maybe with the title or with the semantic. Um, right. 
you could, it, there could be an issue um, just because, you know, if, if someone like myself who has realized that the paradigm isn't what it should be, uh, there's this long list of watchwords that don't appear in the scripture that, you know, you know, automatically cause this knee-jerk reaction to. And I'm wondering, you know, in trying to be as mature as I possibly can be, uh, should that, you know, should this be one of those situations where I need to, okay, maybe this term is new, but this concept is actually biblical. Absolutely. And and one thing we, you know, we like to say is we don't want to argue semantics. We don't want to argue opinions, personalities, traditions. And, and these things do get in the way. And, and so like you're saying, the, the mature one, you're able to do the work of an apostle. If you can be in a modern day apostle, do the work of an apostle and never even carry the title. You don't even need a business card. Right. And, and something Shaul said, who we call Paul, he says, I'm, I, I might not be an apostle to everyone, but I, I am an apostle here. And so one thing that right. Pastor Ron just mentioned is he recognized where his apostolic authority rested. And so, yes, we're kind of creating a modern day word. But but the key is you could be a church planner. You're, you're the one who organizes whatever the modern term is, is insignificant. The key is we need those people who have the ability to bring together another group of people and administer the ecclesia and then the Holy Spirit, which is the ecclesia in operation on earth as it is in heaven. And so, yeah, we don't want to argue the semantic. We don't want to get caught up in saying, you know, I am this and you're going to do that. But those who will listen to you and those who will come around, then you're going to have that role, whether it's recognized as the word apostle or not. And it's not even a new term. I mean, the New Testament is filled with the idea of, of, of apostles. And there were seven or eight of them beside the 12 that are even mentioned in the New Testament. And Corinthians talked a lot about authority and what it meant and, and how the church should respond to it and, and Paul's defense of it. So I, I don't think we're coming up with anything new at all. Right. And, and like Pastor Ron said, since the word apostle is definitely everywhere in Scripture, then the, the authority of that apostle and, or basically the operation of his gift, if that would make people a little bit uh, easier, um, is definitely going to be a part of us today. Because for people who deny apostolics, apostles or apostolic authority would really have to say, well, who's responsible for starting churches today? Because that was their role historically. And, and Mike Brown, we gotta, uh, we're going to continue to answer this. We don't want to have to have you hold. And we're also going to jump on the line, too. So stay with us. And if you have another question, please call back. But right now we have Peter on line two. Go ahead, Peter. Hey, how are you all today? Hey, we're doing good. How, how about yourself? Where are you calling from? Good. I'm calling from Kansas City. Yeah. Kansas City. Nice. How's the weather out in Kansas City? Uh, it's AC inside. I like inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels really good in the house, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, stay in. Yeah. We're just going over uh, church life, apostolic authority, and we, we thank you for calling. Right. Do you have a question, comment, or do you want to cuss us out? Uh, you know what? Uh, at one time, I probably would have been the guy that cursed you out, but not today. Yeah. <laughs> so. Sounds like you've been changed. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I I do have a question for you. I maybe sure. it just has. I th I just heard the last uh, the question and your all's comments. Appreciate what you're saying on that. Uh, yeah. The the big question that I have is like. Um, Let's just say that um, you feel like God's speaking to you to to do what you're saying, right? To start a church, maybe, but sure. you're 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 not wanting to do that in some ways that you've experienced church. 
just because um, you personally don't feel like uh, what you've experienced is really that effective. Right. <laughs> and, you know, if you're, you're like me. Uh, I mean, I was an athlete. I, I, I ran for the United States Olympic coach at one time. So uh, for me personally, uh, you know, getting the, getting the practice and not actually being able to, to run is kind of boring. <laughs> right. So uh, where am I going with that? Um, I, I'm, what I'm ex- exploring is, you know, just I'm asking myself the question, what is church? And, you know, if, if I'm being called to, to start a church, what's that going to look like for me? Go, yeah, that's the question. Absolutely. Man, great, great question. Um, and and the, reason, the reason I start churches is because I have to be a part of one. And so there's there's no I didn't, you know, necessarily sense a higher call, but it was a forceful call to be a part of something. And I know and it sounds like you have the same conviction where we've been and what we have done has not worked in comparison to the glory. So what does it look like? It looks like First Corinthians, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14. It looks like you can get two or three or 20 or 30 people coming together. It looks like it doesn't matter if it's in a home basement, garage, beach, storefront or wherever. What it looks like are people coming together to magnify, glorify, love on, praise, honor, and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Hamashiach Yeshua, to call on him by name and to allow his glory to manifest in a a place among the hearts of the people so that they can then turn from ministry to him to ministry to one another so that they, by using their gifts in the operation of their gifts, might be able to glorify him to the point where he feels like he is the leader and the king of that assembly. And this then will allow his presence to just be a glorious, tangible, manifest, conscious presence in the room with us. And then he himself will do the work that he has done historically in the body. He does now spiritually when people come together and call on his name with reckless abandonment. So what does it look like? It looks like radical people who are hungry and thirsty, who have left everything in earth, who said we want nothing more but the Messiah in our lives, and we're not going to leave until we experience him and encounter him in a way that revolutionized and transforms our entire way of thinking, living, and feeling. That's what the ecclesia wow. is. The people in the book okay. of, of, of Acts, they went on vacation and stayed because they found reality. <laughs> they came to Pentecost because it was a holiday, and they stayed in Pentecost because it was a Oops, lost the connection there. Let's see if we can get it back. You don't have to twice and you expect it to be done. You don't have to preach 16 sermons on Thanksgiving because when somebody has been changed by the glory of Yeshua, they are changed. And some of these things happen naturally, supernatural. And so what is the ecclesia? It is a place where people who are hungry and thirsty for him more than anything else, they come together and they share the glory of who he is through the gifts that they are given by him. Pastor Ron. Well, that was pretty anything to what you just said <laughs> although let me throw a question thank you uh in my life i've seen a lot of false starts for instance there was the shepherding movement back in the 70s with Derek prince and and i've been involved in in some home churches and people who met for seemingly all the right reasons and everything that shipwrecked those was i would say it was probably pride probably human pride uh we had a tremendous opportunity here for ambition and pride. Great point. Um, and if we are meeting because we are too good for the traditional church, and I'm not suggesting that was said today at all, but if, if, 
if we're meeting because we're wiser or smarter than traditional Christians, then I think Satan can um, tempt us with pride. And once we become proud, the whole thing is doomed to fail. Uh, Jesus said, you know, he who is greatest is he who serves. I came to wash your feet. He didn't come to be the big pooba that evening at the uh, at the Seder meal. Um, he who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven is he who serves. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Uh, uh, the Bible is filled with admonitions against pride. I think pride is the great sin. Satan will let us succeed in a lot of different things. He'll give us. He'll let us have all kinds of understanding and knowledge. But if he can plant the seeds of pride, then it's all going to come down. And I think that also is a warning for both uh, oh, traditional for, church for as everybody. Well. Yeah. yeah. And, and what you're saying is, but home church people, as I've seen that bring them down. Right. I've, I've seen anything. ambition and pride bring them down. I guess. And uh, I think for apostles, prophets, teachers, they really have to. They have to be mature. They, I would say they have to be. I was going to say fathers, but that sounds kind of paternalistic. Parents in the faith, uh, they have to have lived long enough to realize they don't know everything. Uh, that the most they can be is a servant. Like Jesus said, you know, the most you can be is a servant. Uh, you, you can't be anything other than a servant. And uh, this is what has destroyed these movements in the past, at least the ones that I have been involved with. And it, it destroys the traditional church, too. But pride is the great sin. Wow. Sin. That's the one that it separates us from God. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Doesn't say he's opposed to alcoholics or homosexuals or he doesn't like those things, but he's not opposed to them. He's opposed to the proud. And and when pride rears its head in some of these movements, and I'm not suggesting that's what we've talked about today, but I I've just seen pride kill good things. Absolutely. And, and yeah. Brother Peter, too, what, what he's saying, too, is, you know, and we've we've seen it um, and, and historically people will find out of out of rejection from the traditional church or out of frustration. So they're not building themselves upon the foundation of Yeshua, but on the foundation of rejection right. or on the foundation of frustration. And so just shifting from a pulpit pew paradigm to a house does not signify that everything is good. It only signifies you move Thank from you. one yeah. problem to another place of problem. So it's not even about a house or a house church movement, but it's about yeah. the people coming together for the cause of glorifying Yeshua. I Have appreciate you had that. Can, I, can, I, comment, can I comment on that? Yeah, well, just even just uh, in my own prayers, you know, just meditating, you know, uh, praying about, you know, what's this going to look like, right? You know, I really feel like, you know, you know, Father God's told me, you know, I want you to to plant a church. But, um, yeah, everything that you, you all shared is just so helpful. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm recognizing, you know, that... that Maybe planning a church here in the States and a city in the States is going to be a lot different than what Paul was up to, you know, in the Scriptures, where there was no church, there was no voice in many of the cities. I mean, he was the first voice, right, uh, you know, sent to a new city. So uh, I think along the lines of what we're talking about, you know, my big heart is really, I mean, how do I, how do I keep one foot in in church and one foot uh among people that need jesus that need yeshua 
because uh, my my heart really is I want to work with with every I want to work with everybody that's already doing something good in the city where I'm going, but also do something that adds to what everybody needs through uh, what what I help to bring to the city. So yeah. And this is something that uh, Pastor Ron and I were kind of talking about even before the show began in our pre-show prep is, you know, there's a debate on whether you should abandon all traditions and just move completely into the paradigm of the Bible versus can you dance back and forth? What we see historically, though, with Shaul is he would go to the synagogues. And so he had no qualm with going to a synagogue, but his agenda in the synagogues was to bring them over to Yeshua. And so he wasn't there necessarily to, to participate and say he was doing his good Hebrew thing. He was there to win them over to the to the ecclesia of Yeshua. And once this became apparent, he knew his time was very short and he would most likely be kicked out of the synagogues, which we see as a pattern for him. However, modern day, and I, and I just want to give this to you as a challenge, if you're afraid that you're going to be rejected by tradition, then it's probably going to prevent you from even bringing up the ecclesia because you're going to be so afraid of the people and their response. You're never going to find those who are called to come forth out of the synagogue into the living room. But if that is not your uh, fear, then <clears throat> one thing you're able to do is you're able to go into traditional churches, find those who are ready for Yeshua, speak about Yeshua. And, and, and one thing I found you don't like we talked about with Michael Brown. The words and the semantics sometimes can be a hindrance. So you don't have to say we're starting a church. You just have to bring people to the glory of Yeshua. And so they weren't necessarily enamored wow. with the idea this is called church. What we are enamored with, and no one can argue if they're proclaiming to be followers of Yeshua, is, hey, I want to have Yeshua as much as possible on every day of the week. And so this is where we are going to be tonight. And we're going after him, doing the activities that he has told us to not only do, but to major on. Let us come together and worship, honor, praise, glorify. And when we do these activities on a regular basis, up first and then over second, then the transformation that he has called us to do, to be, will start to happen supernaturally natural. And so we're not even here to argue semantics or location. It's not about house versus church. It's not about yeah. new versus old. It's about Yeshua glorifying him until the glory manifests in the room or place you're in for that transformation. That is the key. And once people hear that, if they are of him and they, they wanna be a part of him, then they're gonna definitely wanna be a part of where he is. And, and, and for those who are um, caught in, just going to going through motions, wanting to learn, wanting to be a part of what used to be a tradition, then yeah, you're gonna always find that resistance. But I encourage you not to be frustrated by the resistance, but to expect the resistance because that is what we find historically going on throughout the book of Acts. Pastor Ron, what do you want to add to I, that? Yeah. Wow. Well I can appreciate that. Thank you. The whole idea of the synagogue Christ wasn't found in the synagogue. So when they went to the synagogue, they were just getting teaching apart from the Holy Spirit. I think the traditional church, you can still find Christ there. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's why I'm a little bit not as far along as you are maybe on this journey, because I it, I don't see the traditional church being like the synagogue. that was just Old Testament teaching. I, in the, a lot of the traditional churches, you can find the Holy Spirit. You can find Jesus. Uh, and I think you know sometimes it was it was different. The early church was was illegal. 
I mean, Rome was a hostile environment. I, I was in the Marine Corps, and in the Marine Corps, you develop some profound human relationships. You you de- you you develop fellowship, but you don't seek the fellowship. It just kind of happens because you're all doing something, you know, very difficult. And uh, so I think when we're when life gets kind of tough, and we're doing something that's maybe more difficult, maybe our faith will be a little bit more illegal, maybe we won't have as much, maybe we'll be forced to share with others, I think our fellowship will probably get more profound and get better. Uh, We have a lot. Function outside the walls. It was never meant to be status quo. We've never done well when we're within the status quo. And we're in the status quo right now in the West. Now that's rapidly changing, and I think it's going to be a good thing. It'll hurt when we're pushed outside. It won't feel good. But I think it'll be the best thing that ever happened. And it may bring about the situation that you're talking about. Uh, God may design it himself for us through adversity and difficulty. And, and uh, Brother Peter, you know, too, you know, along with what he's saying is, you know, the church was at its best when it was persecuted. Um, we can also kind of make this same metaphor. Sure. Christians at their best when they are persecuted. And the reason I and Ron said I'm farther along, I might be behind. I don't have the uh, <laughs> uh, love for the tradition simply because it didn't help me for years. And even though I was able to learn and make what I could call baby steps, the goal was transformation. It wasn't baby steps. And, and, and I agree, you can find so much good that is there. But for me, it's not obedient to what is there in the Bible. And that's all I can all I can go on. When they went together and called something church, they were coming together and operating in their gifts. They were each using their gifts. And according to what is written, each one has a gift that is used to edify one another. The, these gifts in operation through the Holy Spirit are what help us to accomplish the, the obedience that Yeshua has called us into. And if I only get a sermon, I'm only getting the gift of one person. So sure, I can grow based upon that gift. But what about the other gifts that are listed that I'm not getting? And then I walk away satisfied because I think I went to something called church and all I heard was one gift in operation, a choir, a poem, and an offering. That's not working. The transformation needs all the gifts, which is why he said we need every part of the body in operation. And with every part of the body in operation, then we're going to see the glory of the one who is operating all of this in all and empowering all of this. But without everyone, including you, using your gift, how can I grow thereby? Because I need every gift in operation and not just his gift in operation who's in the pulpit. So I can't find myself relaxing in a place where there's only one gift in operation and saying that I am now satisfied when he's the one who told me I need all these gifts in operation. Peter, what do you think? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, that what you are sharing is really what I'm looking for. You know, I mean, just being an athlete, uh, you know, showing up at practice. I mean, I, I wanted my teammates to, to play their part. You know, I needed teammates by my side. So I never showed up to practice, you know, to be the star, you know, the prima donna, the only one that gets the soccer ball, you know, to use that illustration like when I was playing soccer. I mean, it was part of the joy of even wanting to show up to practice was I was going to be with with, with my brothers, with my buddies, and we were going to be practicing, you know, towards the goal of just some tremendous play come game time. 
so um yeah i mean just just thinking about my own background uh you know showing up at church uh something that's always just bothered my, bothered me was when i felt like really really along the lines of what you're saying is when uh you know even if we're experiencing uh you know god's presence real strong i mean we, we want we want to embrace everything good that's already happening in the church that's my heart i don't want to throw away anything good that's happening i want to receive it i want to be a part of it i want to uh i want it to impact my life but you know on the other side what i think is wow well, what what could happen if every person in this place was actually participating right now in some ways and how would we do it how would we do it in, in a group of, of five thousand people or ten thousand people hundred people is there a way uh, that, that we can see every person somehow being a part of the team and a greater glory among us. And I don't know what that looks like. I just want to throw that out and just get, get your own wisdom on that. Great. That's a great question. And one thing we want to do is look at the book of Acts again. Um, when we see the, the meeting in, in the thousands, what we do see is an apostolic meeting. We see the apostles who are the leaders who administered the Holy Spirit and who are now respected to be leaders. They would give a group meeting and this would put everybody in unity because everyone respected and honored the apostles who would be off praying somewhere in the upper room and then they would come and have an apostolic meeting and it would bring everybody to solomon's colonnade at the time and have an apostolic meeting but after this they would also go from house to house because it was the breakdown of the thousands that went into their respective locations where then those who were in the thousands were able to start to operate in the gifts they were receiving from the Holy Spirit. And the apostles that would then go from house to house to equip, encourage and edify those in their various respective places to continue to operate in the Holy Spirit. Same thing Shaul did when he came across some men walking uh, on the interior road. He empowered them with the Holy Spirit. And ironically, according to the modern day paradigm, he messed up because he should have started a church right there with them and said, follow me. But he let them go their way and he went his way because he felt sufficient that the Holy Spirit was enough for them to continuously operate and then to, thereby to grow and, and to have operation of the Holy Spirit for transformation. What does it look like in a group? Yeah, you're going to have these apostolic meetings, but let's not confuse an apostolic meeting with the house meeting where everyone was able to operate and operate in their gifts. And so I don't know absolutely if you have to have um, details, Brother Peter. I think what you can have is a love of God, the operation of the Holy Spirit, Hashem Yeshua, and you allow him to be the leader because one thing that people forget is that he is the actual pastor of the congregation. We're just connecting people with him and we're gonna allow him to determine what it actually looks like after that. Huh. So we don't have to have necessarily, you know, the details when when Abraham was was given messages and when the uh, people of old were given messages, they would sometimes go. And this is the this is the metaphor going without knowing. But, you know, Yeshua and, you know, the Holy Spirit. And then you go because he is enough to satisfy the congregation. And if they have any other agenda, it will be made known. Pastor Ron, that's right. That's right. No, Not everybody wants this. Uh, matter of fact, I'm afraid our churches are filled with people that really don't want this. Our churches may be filled with people who really aren't spirit filled Christians. Great uh, point. In the parable of the soils, there were four soils, only one of them produced fruit, and Excellent. yet they all received the seed, and actually the seed sprouted and grew in all of them. Now that's scary. <sighs> 
Um, <laughs> so we're not talking about the world. We're, we're, we're talking about God's people. Love it. Great point. They all got the seed. The seed sprouted. The seed grew. But it died in three of them, and it only grew in one of them. Um, so I'm not sure everybody wants this. Uh, a lot of us are are Christians in the sense that we believe in the Christian ethical system. I mean, who wants to be an atheist? You know, I mean, who, who wants to believe that <laughs> death is under everything? We don't want to believe right, yeah. heaven. Say a few uh, words, we get to heaven. I mean, that's a good deal. And then there's the Christian morality that we ascribe to, which says that we should be nice, we should love people. Yeah, we love people who love us, and that's good enough, you know. And it, 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 it's a whole ethical system that we're a part of. And, and people flock to our churches who are uh, adherents of this ethical system. And they believe something intellectually, but it, it doesn't really change them a whole lot. And the question is, are they really Christians? By the, by the, by the most biblical definition of the word. Excellent and my, point. my fear is they may not be. And, may, and that's why often we find that resistance right. is because we're coming up against people who we assume must be Christian when in actuality, spiritually, they're not. And they're good people. Great people. They even love yeah. the word. Oh, they yeah. love the Bible because the Bible's given them comfort. It's given them identity. It's given them significance. Uh, and they love the word. They love church. They love, love listening to sermons. And yet, is the Holy Spirit really there? Can they really say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Boy, now that, not everybody can say that. And if they could say it, would they yeah. even want to resist or argue in the first place? Right. And, and so I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to build with I want to say faulty building materials. That sounds terribly arrogant. I'll say it for you. We're building with faulty <laughs> building materials. <laughs> so it's really kind of tough. That's why I think adversity would winnow the field. Um, and it's the kind of adversity you had in the first century where you could be sent to the Colosseum to face the lions if you were a Christian. The only way to get by was with codes and meeting in, in the catacombs and that sort of stuff. And that kind of narrowed the field down a little bit. And so you ended up with people who who were really more authentic. You didn't have a Christian ethic, a national Christian ethical system that basically everybody ascribed to. I even know people that don't believe in God, but they still believe in love and truth. The scripture people who are Christians with a small c, and this whole thing isn't going to work with those people. Absolutely. It just isn't going to work, and it's, it's not going to, because it's messy, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's definitely <clears throat> difficult. And, you know, Brother Peter, we're, we're winding down and we're going to ask you to call back next week. We want to continue this with you. Great, great guests, great calls, both Mike and Brother Peter. Uh, we thank you for calling in. But we are at the end of our show. And boy, this hour went really, really fast. And uh, Zachariah, before we go, I always like to give you a, just a little bit of a <laughs> spiritual exercise. You don't have to say anything because you've been fired. You know, you don't you don't need a mic. You don't need any of that. But uh, last week we talked to you about just thinking on the name of Yeshua and using that. And I can tell you didn't. OK, I can tell you kind of just got really busy. And so I'm going to give it back to you. And again, it's not a mantra. But what it is, is you using your thoughts to call on Yeshua and allowing him to answer you in his own way. And so for Pastor Ron, for Zachariah. You have been listening to non-religious Christian news. 
We thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week at this same time, same station. Yah bless.